0: this particular scheme against us as believers and for the church. And it's simply this. He, he himself is the spirit and the prince of offense. And he, his design and desire is to turn us, is to have us so affected by that spirit of offense that we that we will be moved, that we would have a selfish motivation move out into carnality, move out into the flesh, move out into worldliness, and live in a place where we are separate from the life of God that is in us, that God wants us to function in. Because in the life of God, there is only victory. Amen? Amen. This is the victory that overcometh the world. This is why he was manifested, that we might have his life as our own. And that that would be the life that we would live would be his life. We would live the life that comes through Christ. And the enemy don't want that. Living that life that comes through Christ and being one with that life is the very essence of righteousness. Living that life that comes through Christ, living in oneness with that life is the essence of righteousness. And the reality of living that life as if it was Christ himself is living in a place where sin is so defeated that there is no condemnation, no insecurity, no inferiority, no guilt, no shame. Because of the impact of, of, of what Jesus did, the reality of the shed blood and the purpose of separation that had taken place, Jesus, having come and has defeated that. And when we receive him as Savior and Lord, we come into that place. He was made sin that we are made the righteousness of God. And living that life of Christ, having that life lived, of Christ living through us, is to live in that place of oneness. That's the reality of righteousness. It's oneness with God. It is the life of Christ. And because it is the life of Christ, there is no condemnation, no insecurity, no inferiority, no guilt, no shame. But rather there is authority over the the enemy. There are rights and privileges. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 54, so we want to know how to paralyze, how to stop, how to... Stop the, 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 the scheme of the enemy. That spirit of offense from having an effect in our life. Isaiah 54, let's pick it up in verse 13. Let's, let's read verse 10 first. Excuse me. For the mountains shall depart. Let's go back to verse 9. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wrought with thee nor rebuke thee. Isn't that awesome? God says I'm not going to be angry with you or rebuke you See, God's not angry with me. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee. In other words, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my kindness will not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace, this covenant of wholeness, this covenant whereby through the blood of Christ, Everything has been reconciled to, to God's original intent and purpose. Colossians 1 verse 20. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. Verse 13. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. Now we, we, we do appropriate this scripture and believe God that our children will be taught of the Lord. And that's Okay. The way you measure it is measured unto you. But it is talking about us, the children of God. Us, the children of God, the sons of God, born again. Receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. To them give you power to be the children of God. And thy children shall be taught. We're going to be taught of the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. And because of the teaching that comes from the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of fruit, what will happen? There will be not just peace, but there will be great peace. Because you see what Jesus did? He reconciled everything. By the blood of his cross, he reconciled everything to God's original intent. So it does include wholeness, it does include all of that, but it's, it's great peace. And then it goes on the same verse 14, this is the verse I want you to see, in righteousness, Shall you be established? My children are going to be established in this oneness with me. My children are going to be established in this life of Christ. He that is joined to the Lord is one Spirit. The vine and the branch are one. It's the same life in the vine that is in the branch. The same life in the head is in the body. The head and the body are one. They're going to be established in this oneness. They're going to be established in this right standing Freedom from condemnation and insecurity and inferiority and shame and guilt. They're going to be established in this authority over the enemy. For they shall have the keys of the kingdom of God. And whatever they bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Behold, I give unto them power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt them. Luke ten nineteen. In righteousness they shall be established. They're going to have rights and privileges. All of these promises are theirs, and they are yes and amen. And by these great and precious promises, they partake of my very divine nature. Second Peter one verse four. So in righteousness they shall be established, and they will be far from oppression. Say far, far from oppression. Why? Because they will not fear. Now you see, the devil is the oppressor. He was the one that oppressed Job. Isn't that right? He is the oppressor. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse verse, 20, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. The devil is the oppressor. And his, op- and his oppression works through fear. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, For as much as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus likewise himself partook of the same, that he might taste death for every man, that through death he might destroy or paralyze him that had the power of death, which is the devil, and had kept people in a place of bondage because of that fear of death. Amen. And and so here they are. Going to, my children are going to be established in this place of righteousness. They're going to be far from oppression because fear. Because they will not fear. It will not come oh, uh, terror, and they, and if they will not fear, and they're going to be far from terror. It will not even come near them. It goes on to say in verse 17. In fact, no weapon formed against them will prosper. No weapon. And every tongue that rises up against them in judgment, they shall condemn it. Why? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their right and privilege as my children. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. That's why no weapon formed against them shall prosper. But that's why we must be established in righteousness. And since being established in righteousness... Causes the uh, the door to be shut to the enemy. He cannot oppress. There is no fear, has no access. Since being established in righteousness. Causes no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Then that tells me that righteousness. Answers every attack. And every plot and scheme. That the enemy can orchestrate against you or the church. Does that make sense to you? Amen. This is the reason why it says. And you can flip over to Romans chapter one. The devil has no answer for righteousness. How could he? Because righteousness puts you in oneness with God. Does he have an answer for God? Huh? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Christ has defeated him. You see, here is this. Here is this stuff. I mean. You know, we could talk from various angles regarding righteousness, and we should. But at the end of it all, this is what it is. This is what God wants us to capture. This is the mind he wants us to have. He wants to see you, you to see yourself not as you, but as Christ in you. In other words, you are to walk around, think, talk, and act as if Jesus is here. And if Jesus wouldn't put up with something, neither do I. Because it's not me, but it's him. I'm crucified with him, and the life I now live is his life. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, 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 and there is a renewing of the mind, but, but this is the objective. Amen? The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus says, the evil one cometh, but he's got nothing in me. Amen? And the Bible also says in 1 John 5, 18, that if you and I will keep ourselves in Christ, then the evil one touches you not. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But how is this working? It's about abiding in Christ. Why? Because when you abide in Christ, it's not you, but it's him. This righteousness is about him, not you. It's about his life. This is the life God has planned and orchestrated for you and I. To live the life of Christ through us. In other words, it's me, but it's not me. It's the life of Christ living through me. Is the life of Christ living through you? That's what God had ordained. That's what God had planned from the foundation of the world. Amen? In 1 John 4, um, 9, it says, we have known and believe. Well, not exactly that. But anyway, we know and we believe the love of God. Here Here is how the love of God is manifested. That we might live through Him. That we might live The life that he planned, the life of Christ, might be lived in us and through us. That's what it was all about. And at the same time, that's what the devil wants to stop. Amen? That's what the devil wants to stop. That is why the devil says in Exodus chapter 15 and 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 verse 9, that I'm going to pursue them. I'm going to overtake them. And I will divide. Meaning what? I'm going to create a separation between them and that life of Christ. I don't want them to live in this oneness. I want them to be in that place of sin consciousness. I want them to be in that place of separation. You see the Bible says the, um, the, um, all of sin and what? Come short. Separation. But then the Bible also says that when you've been born again and you've become the righteousness of God in Christ First Corinthians 15-34 says Awake to righteousness. And sin not, meaning awake to righteousness and stop coming short of the glory. Awake to the reality of this oneness. Hebrews 10 verse 1 and 2 says the the worshippers, once being purged by the blood of Jesus, should have no more consciousness of sin. No more consciousness of separation, but rather be conscious only about the oneness that they have with God in Christ. And from that place, take authority over the enemy. From that place, recognize the reality that I've been crucified to the world, to myself, to people, etc., etc., etc. And from that place, bind and loosen and so on. Declare and speak. Amen? From that place, you don't have to look to the law. There is no room for self-righteousness. Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness for those that believe. Amen? Alright. Are you at Romans chapter 1 yet? (laughs) So righteousness stops the enemy's schemes against you and against the church. Righteousness is the answer. Amen? Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What is the gospel of Christ? Paul said in Galatians 1 verse verse 16, you can write it down. He says, when God called me from my mother's womb to reveal his son in me and that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul says, when God called me from my mother's womb to reveal his son in me and to preach him, to preach his son in me Among the Gentiles. But Paul I thought you were supposed to preach the gospel. That is the gospel. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So he says says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of these truths. For it is the power of God on the salvation. It is the power of God on the salvation. Now let me also say this here. The gospel is the power of God on the salvation. The gospel of Christ is the power of God on the salvation. You don't need to turn to it, but in First Corinthians 1, verse 18, it also says um, the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. But to us who are saved, the preaching of the cross is the power of God. So the preaching of the cross is the power of God. The gospel of Christ is the power of God. Producing salvation, producing deliverance, producing wholeness, producing divine protection, producing healing, producing prosperity. The gospel is the power of God, the the preaching of the cross is the power of God, and the preaching of the cross means the sacrifice, what Jesus did. So, Christ in you is connected and is because of the sacrifice, is it not? Is it not? Right? Right? So now we're going back to Romans 1, 16. The, the, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the sacrifice. I'm not ashamed of the preaching of the cross. I'm not ashamed of the reality of Christ in me because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, why is it the power of God? Verse 17, For therein, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. The reason it is the power of God is because in it, there is this unveiling of the righteousness of God. In this reality of Christ in you, in this preaching of the cross, in this sacrifice, in this gospel, why is it the power of God to produce deliverance and salvation and wholeness? Why? Because in it is this revelation of righteousness. So it reaches to say, Righteousness is the answer. The sacrifice is the answer. Righteousness is the answer. They're pretty well really equivalent. Righteousness is so much the answer that Jesus said, "Look here, don't be concerned about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear, man. The Gentiles are concerned and sweating over that stuff. Don't you do that? This is what you must to do. This is what you do. The Father knows you have need of those things. It's not like the Father don't want you to have them." He's given you all things richly to enjoy. But that's not how you go about it. This is what you do, Matthew six thirty three. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all this other stuff, all these other things will be added on to you besides. Because you pursue them? No, because you're pursuing the kingdom of God and righteousness. Amen? Amen. Say the kingdom of God and righteousness. Amen. I'm saying to you, righteousness is the answer. You say, but He said the kingdom of God is righteousness. Yes, he did say that. So let's check that out a little bit. We also know from Romans chapter 14, verse 17, that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But the kingdom of God is what? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, you say, well, all right. Tell me some more. Well, okay. We know that the kingdom of God, the Bible says in Psalms 103 verse 19, that the kingdom of God, God realm, God, 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 God's sphere, God's operation, the kingdom of God rules over all. Psalms 103 verse 19. But it also says in, in Hebrews 1 verse 8, that the scepter of that kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. In other words, What activates the kingdom of God and causes the kingdom of God to go into motion? That kingdom of God that can wipe the enemy out and stop him completely, right? That kingdom of God that goes into motion, that rules over all, it is righteousness that activates it. Can you see that? So Jesus says, look, all these things are going to be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, you wouldn't doubt for a moment that the kingdom of God will, will, will absolutely dominate the enemy, would you? Jesus said that when you cast out the devil, let them know the kingdom of God is near them. Has just come near, didn't he say that? Right? And then he also said, when they were accusing him of doing it by Beelzebub, he said, no, 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 no. And this is in Luke 11, around verse 20. He says that it is the finger of God, the finger of God. Yes, and some people say it's just a little this is a little finger. The finger of God is what was wiping the enemy out. Now, let me ask you something if the finger of God is gonna do that, and the Bible says the hand of the Lord is upon you, glory to God! Isn't that awesome? We got the whole hand, in fact, we got the whole body. Hallelujah! And that kingdom of God is activated by righteousness. No wonder it says, and I'm and no one that says, and I think it's in Proverbs 11, verse 4, Proverbs 10, verse 4, or 3, it's, or both places, it says, righteousness delivereth from death. Righteousness delivers. So righteousness is the answer. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, so, turn, turn, I want you, you need to see this scripture. Turn to 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Pastor Freddie, you left something on the pulpit here last week when you preached? Because there's a nice freedom here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Second Timothy chapter 1. So, the plan of God is that we will live the life that comes through Christ. It's all about that. It's all about that righteousness. It's all about that oneness. That's where your victory is. That's where your deliverance is. That's where your future is. Second Timothy chapter 1. reading in verse 9. Who had saved us, called us, with a holy calling, which is, another word calling means he spoke some things, Okay. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace. So there, He saved us, He has called us, or He has spoken certain utterances about your life, and it was not according to your bringing, your background, your race, or anything else like that, but it was or your own doing. But it was according to His own purpose and grace, which was given. That purpose and grace was given. And I like to think of it as the grace, which is the provision, the enablement, the empowerment of God, what for? To accomplish the purpose. Amen? Say, God's got a purpose for my life. But then He also gives you that, He's placed that purpose inside of you. you he, he's given you that purpose, but He also gives you grace to accomplish that purpose. Tell me more. Which was given where? In Christ, when... Before the world began. So before the world began, here it is. Here you are. You know how it says in another place, um, uh, Jesus was, cruci- was what? crucified from the foundation of the world? I think it's in Revelation 13, 8 perhaps. But anyway, so here you are before the foundation of the world. Before God ever said, let there be light. Wow. Before there was ever a heaven and an earth, before the world began, before the world began, I'm just reading scripture. This is what it says: Here you were, and here you were, and God chose you, in Christ, saved you, give you grace, give you purpose, give you grace, all in Christ. Before the word began. Not according to your works. It didn't have anything to do with it. And that's that. Now, that's there. And then what happened? One day you get born again. Which means what? One day Jesus comes into your heart and into your life. So, but it is now made manifest. That grace, that purpose, all that salvation and all that he has placed in you from before the foundation of the world is made manifest, it begins to come to the surface by the appearing of our, of our Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, it begins to come out at the appearing, the unveiling of Christ. So what happens is, the moment Jesus comes into your life, that's when you step in to your purpose and the grace and what God got for you. Think about it. So the moment, so the moment you get born again, that is when you can now step into why you are here. What God has for you personally. And what is the grace that you are to function in. Everything else. Before might have been preparation for that. But that's when you step into it. And then as that life of Christ in you is unveiled. And becomes more, more, more known. And as, as more of the life comes out. Then the more, the more you will be able to walk in your purpose. And the more grace will increase, grace will multiply through the knowledge of him and more grace will multiply and here you are you're going to begin to walk out your purpose. Can you see that? But what is it connected with? It's connected to Christ in you. It's connected to that oneness that you have with God in Christ. It is connected to righteousness. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen? So, so the enemy will want, wants to chop that off. He do not want you to function in that life. But God says, no, that's exactly what I did when I got them born again. They were crucified and it's no longer them. It's not Christ living in them. I did it by the faith of my own operation. Colossians 2.12 and Galatians 2.20. So the devil wants to stop that. But uh-uh. How, does he, how is he trying to stop it? He tries to stop it with the spirit of offense. Now we've been talking about that, I can't get into it, but if you listen to the last couple of messages, it's there. But in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus, after, after the disciples had said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus responded, and Jesus says, Blessed are thou Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven, and I call you Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then from that time, Jesus began to unveil to them and to begin to tell him that he must go to the cross and he must suffer many things and he will die and he will be raised up the third day. And then Peter took him aside and pulled him aside and says, no, you're not going to do that and rebuked him. And then Jesus turned to Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Because you save not the things of men, but on the things that are of God. Sorry, you save not the things that are of God, but the things that are of men. And he said, You are an offense to me. You are a trap. You are a stumbling block. You are trying to turn me to some selfish motivation to be defensive of myself and to be concerned about me and And, mine. And he said, That selfishness. Is That that selfishness that a spirit of offense is designed to draw out of you is a hindrance. Because Jesus went on to say, you cannot live my life unless you lose your own. Unless you take up your cross and live in that identification that you've been crucified with Christ and reckon yourself to be dead indeed and let the love of God dominate you. You cannot live my life," he says. "You only way, except, um, unless a man hit, 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 hit everything else, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He cannot follow me. He might want to, he might have a title, but he can't follow me unless he, unless he is crucified, unless he gives up his own life. Are you with me? And so the devil wants us to hang on to that life. The devil wants us to be carnal." He wants us to be selfish. He wants us to be self-centered. He wants us to be worldly. He wants I to be alive. He doesn't want us to live in the reality that I'm crucified. And it's the life of Christ. So that is his strength. That spirit of offense. And so we come to learn what are those symptoms. We know, and and we, we went through a series of them. There's, I don't know, there were 20 something of them. Everything from being defensive and, 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 um, and everything else. But what do we do? How do we stop him? Well, I've already said it's about righteousness. And in righteousness, to live in that place of oneness is to live in that place where, ha, I'm crucified. To live in that oneness is to live in that place where, ha, I have the authority of Christ. It's not me here, it's Christ here. And if it's Christ here, crucifixion. Death to the world. Death to self. Death to people. Death to situations. Death to the past. And if it's Christ here, then it is his authority to bind, to loosen. His victory is my victory. Amen? How do you stop the enemy? Well, the Bible says we have to give him no place. In another place it says, resist the devil. Well, how do you resist him? How do you resist him? Do you put on boxing gloves? (laughs) How do you resist him? You got to resist anything that look like him. Anything that smells like him. Amen? You've got to know what some of those symptoms are for the spirit of offense. And maybe I should, uh, for the benefit of those who may not have heard it before, I'm just going to quickly rattle off a few. How is that? All right? Amen. <laughs> Exalting oneself. Insecurity. Pulling somebody else down so that you can lift yourself up. Don't like to be told. Don't like correction. Touchy. Difficulty receiving correction. While you yourself might be very critical and fault finding. Resentful. Controlling. Pushy. Defensive. Backbiting. Murmuring. Gossiping. All stuff that is connected to self. Amen? Self-righteous. I'm not going to deny you. I'm a tough man. I'm a... Strong fisherman, man. They might deny you, but not me. Amen? So, to resist the devil is to also resist those symptoms. In the area of healing, man, we resist the symptoms. But this is, this is not only that, this is resisting anything that is in the least bit connected to the spirit of offense. You've got to be able to, so how, what do you do? Number one, you got to identify those symptoms. Number two, you have to be able to and you gotta have a violent mindset against it you gotta hate it and have a violent mindset Jesus illustrated that in Matthew chapter 18 when he says if your hand offend you do what with it cut it, cut it off if your eye is gonna offend you do what dig it out amen and if you offend one of these little ones it would be better for a noose to be around your neck connected with a nice big heavy stone and to be dropped into the lake somewhere a deep one <laughs> Amen? But in other words, he's saying you've got to have this violent mindset against the spirit offense. It might look innocent, but it is not, because it's designed to cause a separation between you and the life of Christ, which is your victory. Amen? And sometimes you can't recognize what kind of tree it is, uh, sometimes you don't know what is the root of that tree until you can look at, at, at some of the fruit, at some of the symptoms. At the shape of the leaves or something else. Are you with me? So you got to be able to identify what those symptoms of offense in operation are, whether it's in yourself or others, and be aware. Amen. And then have a violent mindset against it. All right. But having said that, you got to still break its power. Okay, I recognize what I'm dealing with, but I now have to break its power. I got this violent mindset. In other words, you got to go to battle. Say, go to battle. Now, you know the stories in a couple of places that says the battle is the Lord's. Amen. Amen? The battle is the Lord's. In other words, then, you might, you know, in the natural way, might think, maybe if I get a, maybe if I get a, a, a big arrow and I get a, some, some, you know, all these kind of weaponry and all these physical weapons. But in fact, all God might want you to do is just go and have a trumpet and just sing a song and praise and rejoice okay. in front of the army. All he might want you to do is just have a slingshot and fight stones and go in his name. In other words, then the battle is the Lord, meaning that you've got to fight this battle, not in the corner, not in the natural, not with natural weapons. All weapons of our warfare are what? They are what? Mighty, mighty how? Mighty true God. So you've got to fight this battle the way God wants it to be fought. You've got to fight this battle according to the word of God. You got to fight this thing spiritually. Amen? You got to fight this thing in accordance to the truth. What is the truth? The sacrifice is the truth. According to the truth. You got to function from that place. You got to function from that place. Not that you're going to war, but from where? From this place of oneness with Christ, from that life of Christ. Righteousness. Means you got to think and talk and act like Him. In other words, it's Jesus here. What does he do? What does he say? How does he think? What, what's, the, what's the reality of him here and not me? The reality of him here and not me is I'm crucified. So why don't we start right there? Amen? And now crucifixion has no power unless you put it in your mouth. It says it's the preaching of the cross that is the power of God. It didn't just say the cross is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 In other words, until that, the, until that cross or that sacrifice or that crucifixion until it is preached, until it is spoken, until it's declared, no power. In other words, then I might have some some issues in my life. I might have some bondages or something like that that I need to be free from. It's not just about, me, and I, by all means you need to fast fast, but it might not, it's not necessarily, it's not just me understanding how this crucifixion works an understanding that, that, um, that, that I belong to Jesus and, and, and that this new man don't have any of those bondages and the day that our Christ has crucified the flesh. All of that is true. But you've got to declare that. You have got to speak that. You've got to speak that all of this other stuff that is trying to keep me in bondage, that I belong to Christ. Galatians 5.24, and I have crucified the flesh with his affections and lusts. And when you begin to declare that, then it will fall off of you. Amen? You've got to declare, I'm crucified to the world. I mean, there are some people that can really get under your skin. Isn't that right? All right? So what are you going to do? Just just willpower. I'm going to make sure that they don't upset me anymore. No, 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 no. Willpower. If willpower was going to work, then you ought to worship your will. No, it's not willpower. It's not about determination. It's about crucifixion. Amen? You have got to decide. You've got to declare. Second Corinthians 5.14 I'm crucified to them. They're crucified to me. I'm not affected by what they think or what they don't think. I'm, not, I'm so crucified to them. They're so crucified to me that they have no means whatsoever. They're not able to intimidate me, manipulate me. I'm not affected. And when you begin to say that and declare it and declare it, then in time it begins to, you begin to get a harvest of that seed that you're planting. Amen. It is the power of God. Yes. Amen? Yes. But the righteousness righteous of faith does what? It speaks. Yes. No speaking, no power. Yes. Life is in the power of the tongue. Yes. You've got to do it. You've got to say it. You've got to speak it. You've got to declare that crucifixion where yourself is concerned. Crucifixion where people are concerned. Where the world is concerned. I mean, someone has, has, has really, I mean, have done some things and, and hurt you and wronged you. What do you do? Well, you declare crucifixion, but you also declare, for instance, you do what the Word of God says. John chapter 20 verse 23 says, Jesus says, the Bible says, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. In John 20 22, and he said, receive the Holy Ghost. And then he says, whatever sins you remit, they are remitted. Or whatever sins you retain, they are retained. In other words, then, if, I, if you harm me or you do something against me, if I could remit your sin, fine, it's remitted. At least it's loosened off for of me. But if I don't remit it and I retain it, it's, it, it stays attached to me. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, and not only that, but I have to remit your sins for the simple reason that because the blood of Jesus, God has already died and shed his blood for your sins, for that wicked thing that you did. Amen. Jesus already paid the price for it and God accepted that price. You may not have received your forgiveness and you might still be on the need that weight of guilt because you haven't received your forgiveness but God has already forgiven you. Amen. And God tells me that I'm to forgive you even as God has forgiven me. And it says that if I don't do that if I do not honor the blood that was shed that has where, where God has already covered your, your, whatever you did against me if I do not accept that, if I, do not, if I do, do not respect that, then what I'm doing is that I am dishonoring or despising or making light of the blood of the covenant and the spirit of grace because of that situation. So out of respect for the blood and the spirit of grace, I have no choice but to remit your sins. And if I don't remit it, then it remains. It keeps me clogged up. And quite frankly... It also gives the devil access to you. Right? Because one of the things I could do as a, a, as a minister of the gospel and as a priest, right, a, 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 a partaker of his heavenly calling, is to loosen that thing off of you so that God could get through to you. There are people in hell that are there and, rel- and now that they are there, they're finding out that all this time they were forgiven. Think about it. Can you imagine that? People are in hell for what? And they're, they're there and they found out that I was forgiven all this time. And all I have to do is receive it. Amen? So there's authority of crucifixion that comes right out of this righteousness and this oneness with Christ. But the next aspect is, is um, and of course that has to do with the past and all of that. Old things that pass away. This, this spirit man in here, he don't have no history. Amen? But then there's the next aspect of the authority over the enemy. Luke 10, 19 says, I've given you power to tread upon serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You've got authority over the enemy. The Bible says that when you were born again, this spirit man that is on the inside here, according to John 8, 36, it says, whom the son sets free is what? Free Free indeed. He's totally, completely free. Colossians 1.13 says you've been removed from out of the authority of the devil, out of the kingdom of darkness, and you've been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. Meaning he has no authority over you. It says sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. Romans 6.14. You're not under the law. You're not under the devil's rule anymore. He has nothing inside your spirit, man. There is nothing in your spirit, man. That he can attach to, amen. He cometh, but he has nothing in your spirit, man. And you've got to take that mindset because you see the truth of the matter is you resist the devil, but in resisting the devil, but there is also submitting to God. So to submit to God, how do you submit to God? You got to agree with him, amen. You got to agree with him. How do you resist the devil? You got to recognize his lies. No, that's a lie. I'm not going to believe that, amen. You believe the lie, you've just submitted to him. Right? you accept the symptom, you've just submitted to him. Are, are you with me? Amen. The truth is whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But you gotta know that. And mix that truth with, with action, with faith, with your words, with your mind, with your attitudes. Galatians 5:1 says, um, stand fast in the liberty. Whereby um, you've been made free. You have been made free indeed. But now you've got to take this mindset, recognize this is so, and have a zero tolerance where the enemy is concerned. Zero tolerance, meaning what? You know, many times, you know, we, we put up with things. Well, this is a common call. It's common. Everybody has to go through something sometimes. You know, everybody ha- has to deal with this and, then, and therefore we just have this, this, this case um, of attitude towards it, this complacency. Well, it, it don't work that way. There is a resisting that you have to go through. You've got to have, a, once it looks like him, you've got to resist, you've got to say no, you've got to take a stand. So when you recognize that spirit of offense, you've got to have to take a stand. And do what? Bind. Whatever you bind on earth shall be what? Bound in heaven. You have to know that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and he defeated that spirit. He defeated the devil himself who is the one, who is the prince that is behind the spirit of offense. It produces people being offended, but the problem really is the spirit of offense. Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. It's a spirit, amen? Amen. And Jesus has defeated that spirit. Jesus so defeated that spirit that even if, even when they tried to, to accuse him and try to push him in his mouth, tried to defend himself, he opened up his mouth, he refused to yield to that spirit of offense and he, and, he, and he opened up his mouth and he did not defend himself. Amen? He just submitted himself to God. He was reviled and he reviled not again. He was insulted, he didn't insult back. Amen. And what happened? As a result of that, he was, he was a lamb without spot or without blemish, qualified to be the sacri- to be our sacrifice. But had he yielded to that spirit of offense and defended himself, he would have disqualified himself. He would have no longer been the lamb without blemish. If he had yielded to that spirit of offense, when the devil tell him, "Look, you know you're hungry. It's been 40 days now, right? And I mean, you have all this power. Why don't you turn this stone into bread? You're hungry. That was a good time to go into that spirit of offense and look out for himself. Are you with me? He had many, many opportunities, but he defeated that spirit. And he defeated it, and he also, and he also crushed its head when he spoiled principalities and powers on that cross. Are you with me? And you've got to recognize that what he did, he didn't do it for himself. He did it for you and I. And you've got to take it as your own victory. And from that place of knowing, you bind, you loosen. All power has been given unto me, both in heaven and earth, Jesus said. you got to know that. Amen? So, there is the application of crucifixion. There is the application of the authority of righteousness, the binding and the loosing. And then there is learning to live that way. Living that way. In other words, as Jesus said in in, in, um, Luke 9, 23, take up your cross how often? Daily. Daily. Living that way. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10. He says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. So that that life also of Christ will be made manifest. That's what we want is the life of Christ. Jesus said, you're not going to have that. If you don't take up your cross and follow me. You can, you're not going to have that if you don't lay down your natural life. You're not going to have that if you don't present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Paul says, yes, I got it, and this is how I do it. I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. So that the life of Christ will be made manifest. I always live in this identification. Whereby I'm crucified with him. I always live in this place. Where for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. Not my will. But his will be done. I mean. They've taken me to Jerusalem. And they said they're going to throw me in jail. But none of these things move me. Because I come back my life dear unto myself. So that I could finish my course with joy. And the ministry which the Lord has given me. Acts 20 verse 24. Paul says, I live like this. I, I, he says, I die daily. Did he not say that? Are you with me? In other words, this is, there is a living, there is a daily living in that identification of righteousness, that crucifixion, and in that authority. Amen? Living continually in that place where the blood is, is applied and your conscience are clean and, and living in that place where I am resurrected. I am seated with him. I do have his life. I do have this resurrection life. This is his name. I exercise the authority of that name. These are the promises. This is how I evoke and draw out that divine nature. The way Paul put it in Philippians 3 verse 9, he says, that I might be found in him. That's where I must be found, in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness, which is of God by faith. Amen. Hallelujah! The reality is that when crucifixion and the authority of resurrection rules the atmosphere of your life, you will not be giving any place to the enemy. And you will not be vulnerable to the spirit of offense. Right? But what does that mean? It means then that you and I, we've got to be dead to self, dead to the flesh, dead to the world, dead to people, dead to the past, dead to situation, and live in the authority of resurrection and the life of Christ. And when you do that, then we have an airtight defense against the spirit of offense. Does that make sense? Let's make some declarations. Let's stand. Uh, let's make some declarations. Hallelujah. Let's do some binding and some loosening and in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say, I have on my whole armor. This is where I function from. My oneness with Christ. This is where I live. And right now, Father, and we're going to go, I mean, every one of us has been affected. There's no one that has not been affected by the spirit of offense in one way, form, or another. Amen? So let's just declare this right now. Say, Father, I ask you to forgive me for being a partaker of Of the spirit of offense. And I thank you. For the power of the blood of Christ. That has been shed for me. I receive the blood of Christ. And by the power of his broken body. I stand before you. I come boldly. To this throne of grace. I receive mercy. I receive grace. I am your child. I receive forgiveness. I am cleansed by the power of that blood. I am bought by Christ, by his very own life. I'm not my own. I belong to you. And Father, I submit wholeheartedly to you and to that life of Christ. The power of the blood of Jesus frees me from every accusation every mental harassment the blood of Jesus purges my conscience from every dead work my only trust is in what Jesus did no self righteousness no trust in religious activity no other trust in anything Other than Christ His finished work His shed blood By the power of the name of Jesus And by the authority of resurrection I speak now To you spirit of offense You are bound You are bound from off of my mind You are bound from my life You are bound from my family You are bound from my body you are bound for my marriage and my home and my children. You are bound for my church. I take authority over you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You spirit of offense, I command you bound. I command you bound in the name of Jesus. Loose my mind. Loose my life. Loose my children. Loose my, children. Loose, my Loose my family. I bind the spirit of offense that has caused me to rise up in self defense and trust my own strength, my own willpower, and my own opinion, my own viewpoint. In the name of Jesus, that spirit of offense is loosened off of me. I command that spirit bound. In Jesus' name, I will not serve you. Jesus is my Lord. And I am determined to labor for the true bread, the real meat, the life and the person of Christ. Jesus, I delight in you. I want to serve you with reckless abandonment. Thank you for receiving me. Father, give me discernment. Let me be watchful so that I can recognize the spirit of offense whenever it comes and stand against it. Stand in my righteousness. I'm crucified with Christ and it's the life of Christ that is here that dominates me. Thank you Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah! Whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. Glory to God. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now if anyone wants agreement on something, by all means we'll be glad to pray with you. Amen.